netcasting from Chicago, Los Angeles, and Sydney. You're listening to this week's FX Podcast from FXGuide.com. Hi, I'm Mike Zimmer and welcome to this special FX podcast. We're looking uh, forward to SIDGRAPH 2014 coming up in Vancouver this weekend. Well, if you know anything about FX Guide, you'll know that we love the uh, SIDGRAPH conference to death. It's a really great opportunity to learn from some of the best people in the industry. In preparing for SIDGRAPH, we thought, wouldn't it be kind of cool to ask some of the people we're looking forward to hearing from, not only what they're going to be talking about, but also what they themselves are actually looking forward to hearing. So you have a great show lined up for you. In a second, I'll be talking to Rob PK, who's the head of R&D at MPC. MPC now obviously one of the biggest, most influential uh, facilities in the world. So Rob has a particularly great perspective on what might be an interesting technical paper to have a look at. Also, Rob himself is going to be speaking about work that MPC did on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Just a terrific film. If you haven't seen it, uh, you should. It's really spectacular technical work. I mean, just amazing. Uh, Framestore and MPC just did an uh, awesome job. A number of other companies involved, but they were the main two. And I know that uh, MPC will be talking about some of the stuff uh, from Guardians, in particular, uh, near the end sequence uh, in one of the talks there. So that's a really great thing to look forward to. But I was just dead keen to hear what uh, Rob was looking forward to himself uh, from the other speakers at SIDGRAPH. We're not just covering SIDGRAPH, which obviously starts on Sunday, but we're also going to be covering the DigiPro conference that happens just before it. Um, So SIDGRAPH has these kind of umbrella uh, extra conferences that happen alongside it or just in front of it. In this case, DigiPro happens on Saturday. DigiPro has been going for a number of years and we've covered it since it started. It has really good production-focused stuff. Um, And so we'll be talking to uh, uh, Doug Robel. Doug is giving the keynote address on that. Doug has a couple of Cytechs uh, that he's won, uh, Cytec Oscar Awards, and he's actually going to be talking about the um, process for getting uh, a Cytec, so that should be pretty interesting. We'll also be talking to Mark Alant from SideFX. Now, SideFX will be there with Houdini, and of course, we'd love to talk to Mark anytime about Houdini. Um, uh, Mark's a great guy, but actually, we were talking to him not about Houdini, but about the dailies program. Now, dailies is a lot like the uh, technical papers fast forward in that you get a number of uh, speakers coming up, but giving very, very short talks. It's a little longer than the uh, papers fast forward, but it's just as engrossing. Maybe not quite as funny at times, but uh, really great production slices. So instead of getting a, an in-depth, long talk, of which obviously there'll be some great ones at SIDGRAPH, this is more of like one particular element, one particular aspect of a production thing that's done. And so uh, it's just become a favorite on our calendar. Also, uh, just uh, as I mentioned, the technical papers fast forward there. We'll also be having a meetup on the Sunday night at 8.30 after the technical papers uh, fast forward. Uh, that's for FX PhD and FX Guide uh, members. So if you want to come along and have a beer, that'll be great. Uh, we're going to be posting that over in FX PhD, the actual location of which pub we'll be at. And John will also be posting that uh, in the Twitter feed. So we'd love to see you and, uh, and have a drink. And you know what? If you see us at any time during SIDGRAPH, when we're uh, obviously not interviewing someone, (laughs) um, come up and just say hi. We'd really like to talk to you. I mean, sometimes people come up and complain about coverage we uh, did or uh, an opinion we expressed in the VFX show, and and that's fine too. We're totally open to you guys uh, interacting with us. I mean, after all, uh, we do all this for you. So any feedback we can get from you, we'd really appreciate. 
I mean, sometimes people don't want to come up to us, and I understand why, but if you feel like, you know, you, you've sort of seen us walking around, just grab us. We really don't mind. In fact, we really look forward to it. Uh, in terms of um, our own involvement with uh, SIDGRAPH, I'm going to be uh, sort of, I guess, uh, running a, or chairing a couple of panels. I'm going to be uh, chairing the Godzilla panel, uh, which will be looking at the film Godzilla and breaking the work down uh, that was done in that film, which, as you know, if you've listened to the VFX show, you know how much I loved the Godzilla uh, film. I think it was brilliantly directed by our FX PhD former Prof. Gareth Edwards. He did a spectacularly good job. But, of course, the visual effects team will be there talking about that. 3.45, Hall AB uh, on the Tuesday. Godzilla, just terrific. I'm looking forward to that so much. As I am on Thursday at 3.45 over at a different location, uh, which is in West Ballroom CD, which is X-Men Days of Future Past. So I'm moderating that panel on the Thursday, and that'll have uh, MPC, Digital Domain, Rhythm and Hues, and Rising Sun Pictures. So some really good things to look out for in terms of the panels. What we're going to do now is focus on more of the technical stuff, and I'm going to uh, cross now to Rob Piquet in London. And I have Rob Piquet on the line. How are you, Rob? I'm very well, Mike. How are you doing? Terrific. So uh, you're talking at SIDGRAPH, uh, I believe, on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is uh, on the Got Crowds talk on Sunday. Gosh, I'm looking forward to that one. Ah, thank you. I'll look for you in the front row. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so, in fact, what well, there's a, a whole team of you from MPC discussing Guardians, I presume? Uh, yeah, it'll be me presenting that talk, and then I think we may also be at the production session later in the week. Terrific. I mean, SIDGRAPH is a, is a great uh, place. Obviously, we can't talk about Guardians so much uh, until the film's kind of released, but generally speaking, without going anything to do with the plot, uh, what are you guys going to be talking about there? Uh, for this talk, we're primarily going to be talking about the uh, space battle near the end, uh, the creation of the spaceships, and uh, basically everything space-related. So if one was going to take an educated guess, we'd say that there's more than one spaceship, given that it's a crowd talk. Um, so <laughs> I haven't seen the film yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. It looks like it's going to be um, uh, another monster Marvel uh, breakout hit, so uh, it looks good. Yeah, the early reviews seem to be extremely positive. So I've not yet seen it myself either. I'm going this Thursday. So uh, we're, of course, going to Vancouver, and you actually were brought up in Canada, weren't you? Yeah, I was actually born in Vancouver, though raised up in Toronto. Right. And then you were at, what, the University of Waterloo, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I did a computer engineering degree there. And then uh, around, what, the time of, was it Narnia or Caspian, you went to, uh, into MPC? Yeah, so I finished up my university degree in 2003 and spent about three and a half years at Core Digital Pictures uh, before moving to MPC in 2007, and then been here in London ever since. So uh, someone like you that's going to SIDGRAPH, I just thought I'd uh, sort of hit you up as to what papers other than, of course, we all want to go and see yours, but apart from your, your paper uh, and possibly that production talk you're at, what uh, kind of caught your eye as something that would be good to be looking out for at uh, SIDGRAPH? I'm particularly interested in the technical stuff because I think some people find it a bit opaque to sort of understand what's significant and what's not. Hmm. Yeah, I think on the slightly techier side of things, I'm really looking forward to some of the Birds of a Feather sessions. Um, in particular, last year, there was a course on multi-threading, which I thought was outstanding. Um, and the main guy who organized it, Martin, is actually going to be running a Birds of a Feather on, I think it's Monday afternoon. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. Um, beyond that, I think that most of my calendar is actually filled up with kind of character-related uh, talks. 
Um, I'm really impressed this year by the amount of contribution from visual effects facilities. It felt to me in previous years like there was a bit of a decline. Um, animation was still contributing a lot, like the Disney's and Pixar's and DreamWorks, but the VFX companies didn't seem to be contributing as much. And it's nice to see a little bit of a resurgence of that uh, this year. So I've kind of filled up my calendar with lots of rigging and uh, character-related uh, talks. Um, also, some of the production sessions really are catching my eye. Uh, I saw Planet of the Apes two weeks back, and I must say I was totally blown away, both visually and just as a movie. Uh, I was hoping that uh, Weta would be presenting more, but I'm certainly looking forward to their production session on Tuesday morning. Yeah, it should be a good session. Um, we certainly covered uh, the film, and I agree with you. It's a really uh, standout film, but it's just an amazing piece of uh, technical work. It's It's actually... And I think I said this in a piece that we did. It's it's the acting that impressed me, and the fact that that acting is coming from a digital character, and you've got these kind of layered performances. It's a it's a real coming together of many of the crafts that uh, Sitgraf represents. Mm, yeah, definitely. I mean, within two three minutes into the film, you've kind of stopped paying attention to trying to figure out how they did it, and you're just completely immersed in, like you said, that performance. So, how big's the R and D team at MPC? So at MPC, we've got about 75 developers worldwide. Yeah. I would say that probably about 40% of that is here in London. Uh, Vancouver probably has the next biggest team. And how many people from like that R&D base, roughly speaking, um, would be at SIDGRAPH? So I think this year we're aiming to send ballpark somewhere between 5 and 10, closer to 10 from London, and then probably a similar contingency from Vancouver. I mean, it's obviously just down the road from them, um, so they'll probably be drifting in and out of the conference. So you uh, yourself still code, right? Like you saw part of your time doing actual development work, or was you got your hands full also with the serious management side of that? Uh, I, I try to avoid the management where possible. Um, I'm obviously not very successful at that. But no, I try and get my hands dirty every now and then when I can, when nobody's looking. So from your point of view, when you go to see a SIDGRAPH paper, how much is the paper really telling you good algorithmic stuff you want to know? And how much is it sort of um, leaving out the good stuff because people are trying to keep uh, trade secrets? I rarely find there's a lot of secrecy in the presentations. Um, I find that both academia and industry seem to be pretty good about uh, being open. Um, they may not necessarily volunteer at all in the presentation, but certainly if you can kind of catch what's missing and you go up and you ask them after the fact, I'm yet to find a presenter who says, sorry, I'm not willing to talk to you about that. Yeah, I must admit, I'm interested particularly in stuff to do with uh, rendering. It just happens to be something that I that I love. And I find mm. it really terrific that a number of uh, papers and stuff are published ahead of time or around the time because I kind of find it really useful to have a look through some of those papers and then go and hear what has somebody have to say because unlike you, um, you know, <laughs> a significant proportion of the paper probably uh, goes right over my head and I find it really good though to have some background before I uh, actually go to the papers. Do you get a chance to do much research on anything before you go, or you just don't feel the need? Uh, certainly for the paper sessions, I definitely need to read them ahead of time. Um, well, I, that's I think reassuring. That <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the industry is maturing to the point where uh, there are just so many people who have done so much work over these past decades um, that a, a lot of the work, and I don't mean this to kind of sound negative in any way, but a lot of the work is somewhat incremental. Mm. Um, and it's really on the attendees of these sessions to kind of make sure that they are well-versed in the subject matter before they go. They're not going to be introduced to something that is completely from the ground up new. 
is going to be building on the work of previous generations of smart people's work. Um, so if you don't know anything about that, chances are you're not going to walk away with a lot of insight from this particular edition. So I've got to say, one of the things that interests me is just rendering and um, and light transports. And there's a session called Light Transports on Wednesday at uh, 10.45. I think it's um, uh, in the East Building. Anyway, um, there's uh, a bunch of stuff, Metropolis. But one of the ones that has caught my eye was a... Uh, uh, stuff on unified points and beams. Uh, and I, I guess the reason I bring that up is that, you know, maybe it's only 2011, I sort of became aware of beams as a way of doing um, transmissive volumes and, and lighting in uh, fog and stuff. And then you see that picked up and improved the next year. And, it, you know, sometimes there's a course and then you'll suddenly see something like this, which is kind of a, a whole new paper looking at uh, a way of moving between, say, a um, photon uh, map in a, as a, with points in volumes and beams. And it's it's really nice if you can go to a couple of SID graphs to sort of follow the evolution of something as people kind of pick it up and, and take it in places you couldn't even possibly see the year before. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that if you've got a personal passion in one area, you can really see that mature as kind of new people contribute new crazy ideas. And like you said, some of them really kind of get built upon and upon and upon in future years. And you see these ideas kind of come together and coalesce do like you said in this case it's it's a unified approach yeah i guess the other thing that's really useful if you if you have kept an eye on the uh, technical papers is you start to notice names and and places that people are from i think probably for most people they'd notice the names of the companies or where they're from first but then you get to know some names and you know that those papers are valid you know those papers get uh, referenced quite a lot and you start to think okay well you know, if that person's going to be talking about that and introducing a new paper, it might be worth my while just to keep an eye out. But I guess for all of us, the paper fast forward is a great place to kind of get a, a quick look at what's happening, um, even if you haven't had a chance to do a lot of research. Do you, do you attend the papers fast forward on the Sunday? Oh, definitely. That's got to be the most entertaining part of the entire conference. <laughs> I mean, everyone's still sober at that point and everyone's in a good mood, wide awake, and it's just sure entertainment. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, it's I guess what two hours I guess of people coming up and just quickly presenting what they're doing, and uh, and sometimes they they are very funny. But I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, I think it's a great thing. I mean, it's a serious conference, but it's good that people are able to kind of have a lighthearted experience at the same time. One of the uh, things that I've gone to in the last couple of years has been the DigiPro conference that happens as a sort of a adjunct to SIDGRAPH in the year, in the day before. In this case, it's on the Saturday. Have you uh, attended any of the DigiPros? I've not had the chance to go in previous years, but I'm going to be catching it this year. I was quite impressed by the program last year and kind of made a pitch that we should go this year. So I don't know how many people from NPC are attending, but there'll be a well, handful I just happen to have... Uh, caught up with Doug Robel, who is uh, from Digital Domain, who's giving the keynote at uh, that. So we might actually just uh, cross over to that interview so people can have a listen to what's happening at DigiPro. And I'm joined on the line now by Doug. How are you, Doug, my friend? How are you? I'm doing very well. Having a great day. Excellent. You're getting busy in the lead up to SIDGRAPH, no doubt? Oh my gosh, it always gets crazy uh, the two weeks before SIDGRAPH. Overcommitted well, and everybody's busy. <laughs> so I'm keen to talk to you about DigiPro. I, as you know, I've been a keen supporter of DigiPro since it started. And there are definitely some sessions there that I was looking forward to. I was particularly looking forward, I think, to the Houdini engine one. But um, I then discovered that you're going to be doing the keynote. And uh, so I was in, super enthusiastic to talk to you about that. When did you first – did you go to the first DigiPro? Have you been involved since the beginning? 
I was. I I went to the first Digipro, and I've I've always known the people who've been setting it up. So um, I've I've done a ton of reviews for Digipro, and um, I've very much enjoyed it. I missed last year's though. So um, um, yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's uh, it seems like a good organization. For those that don't know, what can you expect? Uh, and what what is the sort of I guess why why Digipro? Why not just go to Sidgraph? Why bother turning up to that extra day before? What sort of things are um, are Digipro as an organization looking to cover? Well, for me personally, um, I work in the visual effects um, the company, and and Digipro is very much uh, focused on production centered kind of thing. So. At SIGGRAPH, of course, you have the production talks, um, which are very interesting. But DigiPro tends to go a little bit more technical um, into some of the details. Uh, you know, the, the production talks at SIGGRAPH are a little bit bigger, a little bit more, you know, bombastic. And, hey, look what we can do. The DigiPro is more like, this is how we do it. And I really enjoy that. I really like going into it. And, and DigiPro goes... Across the gamut, you you see things like really cool visual effects, new brand new techniques, simulation techniques. But then you also see things like, hey, pipeline. How do we um, how do we manage the data that we're dealing with, and how do we, you know, uh, just get stuff done? And that has a lot of importance to me personally, working in visual effects. And um, I I find it fascinating. It's very concentrated sort of, hey, this is what we're doing kind of thing. Yeah, and it's very well supported by companies like Digital Domain uh, that you're obviously at, but also, you know, DreamWorks, um, DD, Pixar, like there are a lot of good companies, Weta, that all have uh, contributed either this year or, or in previous years. So it's good to see the community coming together. And I find it's good because it's smaller. Um, also at the breakout, you know, at the lunch and stuff, you get a chance to really uh, meet and uh, talk to some really interesting people. It's a, it's a good sort of uh, gathering of uh, TDs and uh, seriously like-minded people. Oh, yeah. The whether it's the symposium on computer animation or digipro these co-located events which are much smaller and much more focused are um are a blast to go to because there's only a single track you are basically hanging out with the same people all day long and uh you get to instead of SIGGRAPH where everybody is just scattering and you go hi and you say try to remember their name and then off you're going at DigiPro you you basically hang out with people all day and, and talk about cool stuff so I I very much enjoy that. Now for those that don't know you as uh, from, from all your work of course uh, not just the work you do at Digital Domain but you're very active in the community um, I know for example that you're on the SciTech Awards committees and of course you're a recipient of two uh, SciTech Awards uh, yourself so you're you're eminently qualified to give a keynote, but what is it that you're choosing to talk about uh, this year at DigiPro 2014 as the keynote speaker? Well, that was a, a good feed for that. I'm going to be talking about the SciTech Awards. So I've been working on, uh, I've been on the SciTech Awards Committee, the Academy's Scientific and Technical Academy Awards uh, Committee, for over a decade. I think I was thinking about it, 14 years now. And um, I am the co-chair of the Digital Imaging Technology Subcommittee, or DITS for short. And uh, given the fact that visual effects has gone through a, you know, a, a software revolution over the last two decades, um, the Digital Imaging Technology Subcommittee is um, the biggest group 
in the SciTech Awards. And we have wanted to be more transparent about our process. We've been wanting to share how this stuff works, what we're looking for, I mean, how the awards work. They're, the awards are, are kind of unique. You know, they're, they're a really cool aspect of our, our jobs here. We can, the, the awards really are a way for us to recognize some very neat work. But I know a lot of people just don't know how they work and um, how they're decided on, what the procedures are, how to actually even, do, do I deserve an Academy Award if I've done something cool? <laughs> I mean, so, the great thing about the SciTech Awards, apart from obviously the recognition that the Academy is the Academy of Arts and Sciences, so it's really great that the sciences part is is given its attention. Is uh, that but it? I think the main thing is the amount of work that goes into the investigation, because this isn't an award, a SciTech Award, that happens best, you know, new piece of tech this year. This is a recognition of contributions to the industry that may have happened in, you know, over the last several years, um, even the last decade. And consequently, you guys do an enormous amount of investigation work. Absolutely. And I've won a couple of awards. And one of the questions that I always get when it comes up in conversation, I usually bring it up in conversation, <laughs> um, hey, I've won an Academy Award. And people immediately say and say, Oh, but what for what film? It's not for just a film. In fact, that's one of the things. It, and a, a scientific or technical Academy Award really has to have a history. It has to have multiple films that it's changed um, how filmmaking has been made. And in order to figure that out, you just can't watch a film. You have to go and talk to the engineers. You have to uh, talk to people who've used it. You have to talk to the competitors who've developed other technologies similar to it and figure out where the invention was, who did the invention, and whether or not it's actually worthy of an Academy Award. So the investigations that we have are, are quite large, actually. We start in the summertime and investigate all through the fall, and only after a large report has been generated about all the technology um, is the decision to award the technology or not, and how to award the technology um, made. One of the things I'd love you to cover in the keynote, if you can, is around, I'm going to say November, maybe it's October, this list comes out from the Academy. These are the things that we're considering for a SciTech award. And I think, oh, okay, that's really interesting. No, that looks really good. That looks good. That list only bears a passing resemblance to what seems to be the, the people that stand up on the night um, in LA to actually get them. There's obviously something significant that happens between that initial list and that final. It's no, it's no uh, rubber stamping because quite often it's, it's significantly different come awards night. Indeed. So um, some of the stuff that I'm going to cover in the keynote address is how that list is generated um, and then the various bits and pieces of the awards process. We'll, we'll go through each step of the, the investigation. Because, you know, and the rest of us think it's just some kind of star council of uber-clever people that sit around in a back room smoking cigars deciding <laughs> who's going to get them. <laughs> well, you'd be surprised. I mean, it kind of looks that way, but there are a lot of procedures and checks and balances that are exist inside there to make sure that the awards process is as fair and you know, you have to step back. It is an awards process. And with awards, you can't make everybody happy. There's there's somebody who's going to get an award and somebody who's not going to get an award. 
Um, but we try to balance that out and try to really find the people who did the, the original interesting innovation and pick those people out. Well, I've got to say, at, at my table last, at this year at the awards, there was somebody and I said, you know, was it a lengthy process for you? And they said, to be honest, we just got a phone call one day saying that we'd been awarded and we just fell off the chair. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about that as well. So um, that must be fun. Yeah. It is a lot of fun. Um, they, they were lying a bit because uh, it's not just a, you get a phone call for um, I'm not going to say they're lying, but uh, they, they misspoke a little bit in that <laughs> no one gets an award without being contacted previously. You're always going to be contacted by an investigatory committee where we're going to talk to you about your technology. Now, there, the, the one of the interesting things is that when you submit for an award, that triggers a large investigation, and the investigation covers the entire gamut of the technology. So some people who had no idea that they were even being considered for an award, may have been talked to in, as part of that investigation. And then during the investigation, we find out, hey, these guys did something amazingly clever. And they were only ancillary to the original submission. And so that can really trigger surprises. We can, we can really find some stuff along the way where we go, you know, this thing that didn't even think they were award-worthy is really award-worthy, and that's cool. Well, so you must be aware the criticism is that once one person seems to get an award in an area, it feels like you just give out to everybody else who happen to be around at the same time. In other words, if it's the it's the year of giving animation systems um, awards or it's the year of giving uh, gyrocopters awards or it's the year of whatever, and because there seem to be four or five people uh, or separate awards that it feels that way anyway, that are in a related area in any given year. Well, and that's kind of how it works. The Academy does not choose what to, by itself, what to investigate. The, um, the initial process is that somebody, and this is sort of our first call, somebody has to look at the technology that they developed and said, you know, hey, this is pretty cool. And I've gone to the Academy's website, I've looked at sort of what they're looking for in terms of technology. And I think that this really satisfies some, some of the bullet points that they're looking for. So I'm going to submit this for consideration for an award. So that's one of the surprising things. The Academy doesn't choose the tech. The Academy kind of waits for the developers to basically have the hubris, maybe you want to say that, but you know, be proud of their technology and proud enough of their technology to submit it for consideration, for an award. At that time, that opens up the entire technology. We can't just say, oh, thank you for submitting, we're going to give you an award. We have to sit, look at that and say, all right, now we've got to look at the entire gamut of this technology. And so at that time, we, we basically take it as a, a prompt to look at a piece of technology. So for gyrocopters or, for, or, or something, that's our moment. We get to look at gyrocopters that year. And that's why it tends to, you, you have these bursts of awards where we go, hey, somebody submitted for a copter. We're going to look at all the copters. Hey, look at all these cool copters that we found. <laughs> and we try to find the innovation in that. Well, as somebody who has no uh, possibility of ever winning a SciTech award, I have to say, when I am at the awards as uh, as a guest, it is uh, terribly much a feeling of these are my people. <laughs> it's a <laughs> terrific group of uh, of individuals that are there. Um, for people that want to 
follow up on DigiPro. Let me just give a couple of um, places to go. Firstly, if you're on Twitter, it's DigiProConf, as in DigiPro, C-O-N-F. Uh, and that's key because if you try just searching on DigiPro, you won't find it. Similarly, the website is digiproconf.org. Uh, not dot com, and if you want to email um, and for any reason to you know follow up on stuff, just uh, twenty fourteen at digiproconf uh, c o n f dot org will um, will get you there. So Digipro is on on Saturday, right? On what the ninth? Is that right? Correct. This Saturday, and my uh, keynote is in uh, right after lunch. Right. Excellent. Well, that's good because sometimes I'm late with jet lag. <laughs> so <I'm glad>. <laughs> <laughs> good. Uh, and there are a bunch of really good talks uh, in addition to yours. Again, you can check those all out at the uh, website. Um, they have them all listed. Um, and as I say, half the fun of it is just the people that are there and uh, being able to hang out with them. So uh, hopefully you guys can get along right before SIDGRAPH, co-located uh, with SIDGRAPH in, uh, in Vancouver, of course. Thanks so much for taking time to talk to us, Doug. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. And um, everybody should go to DigiPro. It's a blast. So, Rob, I guess one of the, th- the things that Doug was interested in is he thinks people will be interested in what's happening with the SciTech Awards. But I thought the process behind the scenes of what happened at the SciTechs was kind of interesting myself. I'm looking forward to hearing him talk about that. Yeah, no, as am I. I mean, we've written a huge amount of technology here at NBC over the last uh, decade or so. And uh, certainly SciTech is something that we've been eyeing for a little while. And uh, at least to me, it's not been entirely clear how we go about submitting our work for that. Yeah, it is. Um, it is an organisation I respect. I'm going to respect that they single out and do so much research to um, validate people that. Uh, and also, of course, being on the geeky side of things, I'm, I'm always really glad to see the people that produce the tools and develop the techniques um, rewarded. But it is, it is pretty. Uh, I mean, to me anyway, it's completely opaque. I've been to them several times, but you know how someone actually gets one has always been a bit of a mystery to me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, the other thing that uh, I went to first time a couple of years ago as well is um, Dailies. Um, now, Dailies is, a, for those of you that don't know, a kind of a really interesting thing. We mentioned the fast forward a minute ago. This is kind of like that almost for production. Um, but you mentioned that you like going to some of the production talks, and I think they're a huge hit with the attendees. In fact, they're some of the most packed sessions. That and real-time live seem to be about the most... Uh, uh, popular sessions at SIDGRAPH, but the dailies is kind of like this little two-minute-y kind of session. Um, and uh, Mark, actually, from Side Effect Software, one of the uh, founders there, is uh, the guy that's been organising that. And I actually got to catch up with him a couple of days ago to discuss uh, basically what dailies is about. This is the last year that he's running it or, or chairing the committee. Let's hear now from Mark. And I'm joined by my friend Mark. How are you, sir? Again? I'm just fantastic. Back, talking, uh, back doing dailies again? I am. This is my second year. Yeah. Well, we're really keen to uh, talk to you because uh, dailies a little newer, a little less known to some people, but a terrific uh, way of taking in, I guess, the both, I guess, the personal sort of slant on the industry and also the, the more... Um, um, I don't know, a wider range of sampling things than you might otherwise do. Because one of the things at SIDGRAPH is it's just really hard to commit to all the different lectures. And it, you kind of can close yourself off to being opening up for new ideas simply because you have to pick in advance what you're kind of going in for. Um, but I think dailies is a terrific place to be exposed to stuff you kind of didn't know that you didn't know, if that makes sense. Um, what's your wh- – where do you think dailies fits? So so dailies is, is really special to me. Um, it 
there's there's so much variety at dailies. Um, we have over 40 presentations in the evening. And, and so 40 presentations in the evening. We've got um, student work. We've got uh, top studios presenting. So so you get a really good sampling of, of a lot of uh, creative uh, talent uh, being shown in one place. The other advantage of dailies is that it's shown in the evening, which means that it's really not competing head-to-head against uh, talk sessions or courses or other uh, venues at SIGGRAPH. Yeah, and it's an amazing range, isn't it? It's the breadth of what's in dailies that's incredible. Like in this one, what is it, two hours um, on the Wednesday night? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's from 6 to 8 8 p.m. on on Wednesday night, and um, it's a huge variety. So uh, we've got, as I said, we've got student work, we've got uh, professional studios. So we we have pieces from DreamWorks, we have pieces from uh, local uh, talent like Image Engine. Uh, we have um, Blue Sky has some wonderful pieces in, uh, but we also have uh, students from Clemson, from Texas A and M, from Bournemouth, and the University of Portmouth in in England. We have, uh, it, it, but we also have. It's not just uh, production work. So you'll see, if you go to dailies, which I really highly recommend, you'll see scientific visualization from NASA. You'll see uh, jewelry design. Um, there's, there's a really neat piece uh, about um, how collaboration uh, with a sculpture, building a sculpture that was shown in San Francisco. There's, there's a real hodgepodge of, of work. So, uh, so let's just sort of break it down to people before we sort of discuss a couple of favorites. Um, I guess, how long is each one of these presentations? So we have over 40 presentations in uh, under two hours. So if you do the math really quickly, each presentation has to be two minutes or less. Most of them run around 90 seconds. And that doesn't seem like a, a huge amount of time to tell a story, but it, it, it really makes you, uh, it focuses the artist on explaining what is important. The, the, the best thing that they've done all year. That's what they describe. And so they, they pick those 90 seconds and, and, and describe their, their, their art. Right. So instead of discussing everything that went on in Elysium, you get to discuss just one particular aspect. I think in this particular case, Image Engine is discussing droid destruction, right? So you get to like focus in on like one little bit. But, but I think there is enough time to do one thing and show a kind of like, sort of serious breakdown of that one thing. Um, and then you can kind of extrapolate from there to the rest of the film, I guess. That's right. So they just take the one shot that was particularly challenging to them and they'll break that down and they'll describe some of the challenges that they had. For example, in the shot that you're talking about in Elysium, one of the challenges they had was that um, Neil Blanc- Blancamp, I'm not sure how to say the name. Yeah, no, that's right. Okay. Uh, he had a very, very precise vision of of what he wanted. He needed three bullets fired. He needed three different camera angles in the shots. He needed to tear about, tear that droid apart so that no pieces of the droid were recognizable by the time it hit the ground. So that like 10 second shot, there was a lot of detail that they had to, to meet, um, to, to make that shot work for, for Neil. 
Yeah, I mean, on the same boat and and in the same sort of uh, zone, there's some stuff from DreamWorks that that I've heard about that sounds incredible in terms of like artistic, almost painterly approaches to destruction shots, which is, again, like, you know, you you wouldn't get that covered normally because in a big film you're covering the main hero aspects. But hearing about that kind of level of detail, attention, love, if you like, to an individual aspect is really fascinating. So so when when you're talking about the, the dailies, sort of borders between um, the talk sessions at SIGGRAPH, which are, can be very technical, and, and the electronic theater, which is just um, a- absorbing the, the video, right? Because it sits somewhere right in the middle. It's where the technical directors and the artists get up and talk about the, the way that they use the tools that were described in the talk sessions to make the, the art that you see in the electronic theater. So, so it sort of fits in the, the it nestles in between the, the, the highly technical and, and the, the consumer of the, the art. Yeah, and we should be really clear about this. We mentioned a couple of uh, film-type companies, and obviously Pixar and other people that you mentioned are, are in there, but also there's gamers as well, right? There's some really interesting, um, very sort of detailed look at some stuff from some of the great game stuff that's been happening uh, in the last year from several game studios. That's right. In fact, um, one of the, the things that I'm really looking forward to, I, I don't actually get to see the presentations before they happen. So some of them are surprises to me. Um, but one of the things that I'm looking forward to is there's a, a, a presentation by Naughty Dog exactly about um, hit reactions in, in The Last of Us. And so um, they're, they're talking about how uh, NPC characters have to react when they're hit by uh, player characters when they're shot by player characters and that's a a real contrast you get to see how uh image engine did it on elysium but then you get to see how the game engine has to deal with it in in uh by naughty dog so i'm looking forward to that yeah no there's some really good ones actually uh from the game guys and just continuing to move on because i want to move around kind of the the different types of people that are putting stuff in um you mentioned nasa that's a volume rendering global atmospheric model what's that so we actually have three pieces from nasa and one from analytic uh graphics um the so the the vol- the one that the that you've probably heard of is the volume rendering of uh, global atmospherics, and um, so NASA recorded uh, cloud patterns and volume rep- cloud patterns as volume data over uh, a several week period, which generates um, enormous amounts of data, and then they had to visualize it, and they it's 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 <laughs> It's a really interesting video. I think there's a still posted on the, the web somewhere, but um, it's it's really freaky to to see the world um, with all the clouds moving with no atmosphere, and it's it's accurate and it's uh, really um, illustrative of and telling of what the the weather systems are like. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's something that I just totally wouldn't expect. Um, and I think the other thing that's really cool is, as I mentioned in the intro, some of these pieces are very personal. And one of the ones I was asking you about before we uh, we sort of started recording is uh, a friend of mine, uh, Andy Lomaz, at uh, the Foundry. And I was curious to see Andy's name down, but not doing something from the Foundry. What's that? So, so in 
his spare time, Andy Lomas actually um, does computer graphics. So he um, builds these very, very complex animations of cellular forms. So they uh, start off with a very simple sphere, and then they um, there's mitosis and cell division, and they bifurcate, and you end up with these beautiful, beautiful, rich, um, brain-like, coral kind of shapes. And it's just beautiful animation. And um, Andy does this in his spare time. He just has a machine up in the attic chugging away on, on rendering this image, imagery. And he does it because um, it, it gives him a certain amount of freedom. He uh, doesn't have a director explaining what he needs to do or, or, or what it needs to look like. He just gets to do what he, he wants to do. And, and so at dailies, he gets to express and tell and share that work with everyone in the community. I mean, what's fascinating about that is that obviously this is stuff that's written in C++ and running on GPUs and stuff, and there's that side of it. But then the other side of it is that that work of his was actually exhibited at the Los Angeles Center for Digital Art in downtown LA at the beginning of the year, I believe. And so, you know, this really is uh, a case of art and science um, connecting. It's, uh, it's incredible. Hey, there's one of the pieces that you can tell me about, I am sure, because the guys happen to be uh, having the uh, Side Effects Software Inc. label on them. That's two interns, 10 weeks, 10 shots. What's that? So um, uh, we had a... a a mentor come in. Uh, we, we, we hire interns at Side Effects. Um, and at the LA office, we hired an intern, or we had a mentor come in to um, to take the interns through 10, 10 shots in 10 weeks. Um, and so uh, Dennis Blakey came in, who's got a, a very rich pedigree of, of computer graphics. And he came in, and he worked with these interns, and he uh, got them to do uh, a a shot with effects and lighting and and took them through the whole gamut and then um at the end they had the the a beautiful piece so they're talking about how they got that together now i i should also mention that during the the during of the the pieces i did step back on the, the review <laughs> of them well actually that brings up a good point how many applications did you get and how did you decide uh on what to put in and what not to put in so this year we had about 70 um, really, really fantastic uh, um, submissions um, from all over the world uh, and, and from all, all walks of computer graphics. Um, we, we had a jury of four, four people, um, uh, Jerry Edsel from Microsoft Games, uh, Craig Zaruni from Digital Domain, Rachel Campbell, and... Uh, Devin Penny from DreamWorks. And so we sat down and we reviewed all the pieces and we chose the best 40-odd pieces that would fit into the time slots. Hmm. Well, I'm going to keep going with my uh, different uh, approaches. So there's actually stuff even that related to apps isn't there, or rather kind of tying not apps, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what, what's that? So... So uh, there is a, a I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, like <laughs> yeah. random, um, random things to ask you about. But I just I thought it was fascinating because uh, because uh, John, who does this, right, was um, ex DreamWorks, I think. Yes. So John um, was in his in his spare time, like Andy Lomas. Um, John, in his spare time, ties knots. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hobby, I guess. Um, they're but, beautiful knots. That's more they're, of the point. They're just gorgeous knots. So. What he did was he wanted to um, 
when he was getting married, he wanted to make a knot ring for his wife. So he he started uh, taking wire and and um, making rings, and he found that the that the iterations process was very slow. So he thought that it would be um, interesting to to create an app to to take a look at maybe taking some of the knowledge that he has as a, a TD and applying it to uh, knot tying. And so there's a, a nice piece there. I mean, uh, some of this stuff sounds a little weird. And yet, of course, obviously, when you turn up at dailies, you get to see this stuff. And I've got to say that that knot tying stuff, and I don't just say this because I'm a sailor, is some of the most beautiful, as, as Andy's stuff is, right? Like incredibly, but in both cases, uh, completely left a field of what I would normally be thinking about in terms of, uh, you know, the sort of stuff that would come across. And that's what I guess I was starting at the beginning of this intro mentioning that you come across things that you just wouldn't come across. I mean, I wouldn't normally go to a session on tying knots and yet uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing John's thing on on uh, on his app and the stuff in uh, in terms of tying knots. And there's, you know, there's got to be a bunch of that. And from the sound of things, some of that's for you too, right? Because you don't get to see everything in, in advance. You must also... Um, have had a couple of, uh, I mean, was there anything last year, for example, or anything, you know, that you sort of stood out that you were completely taken by surprise on? Um, or even this year? Like, I mean, there's some pretty interesting stuff there away from the obvious uh, interesting stuff from the studios and films type stuff. So so last year, um, I, I there was a piece by Phil Renato who um, makes jewelry at the Kendall School of Art and Design. And last year, I had no idea what to expect. He, um, his uh, submission video talked about chairs and chair design. And it was, it was very nebulous, and, but he sort of squeaked in, in under the line. And it turned out to be one of my favorite presentations. He, he was a dynamic speaker. And, and he really talked about the, the grist of making graphics and what, what artists have to go through when they make their decisions about a design. It, it, it's a wonderful piece. It's actually on the 2013 SIGGRAPH website if you want to go and see it. Oh, okay. Well, we might uh, put a link to that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is that kind of thing. that, and, and I guess that's one of the great things about conferences is that you do get exposed to stuff that uh, – I think the other thing is not everyone's going to be there in person, but it is terrific when you can actually just see someone and obviously you can get to experience their personal uh, passion over something. And, and they, you know, they're amongst friends. So <laughs> they're not, uh, they're able to really uh, learn, kind of let loose on, uh, on what's going on. Um, yeah, really, really interesting stuff. How did you get involved in uh, dailies in the first place? Because it hasn't been going for that many years. No, um, I was actually around when um, Bill Polson from Pixar came up with the idea of dailies, and um, it really captured my imagination. Um, it, it's this—it's a segment of, of the computer graphics community that really is underrepresented. Um, at SIGGRAPH, we have a lot of uh, representation from the technical side and the research side, and and you you see the final work and. Um, with the, the, the electronic theater and production sessions, you get a really in-depth look at, at one uh, film, but you get it at a very high level. Um, the, the people who actually make the art and, and make the pixels, 
it's it, there they really aren't really that represented at SIGGRAPH. And so dailies is it's I think unique in in all conferences. It's 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 the only place where these talented artists have a voice to share what they do. Well, as I said, I'm really looking forward to it. So we've got about, uh, I think you said 40 sessions, as it were, in, in the two hours starting at six. Um, so just make sure everyone understands where it's on at. Uh, let's see, we, uh, w- which hall are we in? We're on... Uh, East Building, um, Ballroom, B and C. Right, East Building, Ballroom, B and C on Wednesday the 13th at six to eight. Um, obviously, you get in if you're part of the, uh, part of the conference. Um, I don't know what else is happening on the Wednesday, but that seems like um, a cracker of an option. Um, I think the whole uh, Sidgraves looks like it's going to be pretty good this year. Um, well, even if you can only make it for half of the, the presentations at dailies, you still end up seeing over 20 presentations, which, yeah. which is, is just amazing. Now, the rundown, if you want to get what is happening, and I don't know if they're in the order they're going to be presenting, I think they're just in alphabetical order, is on the SIDGRAPH website. So if you go to the SIDGRAPH.org website and uh, look up attendees uh, dailies or just do a search for SIDGRAPH 2014 and dailies, you'll get the uh, the rundown. There are two pages there, one for submissions and one for actually what's going on. So if you get to the wrong page, try again. Um, and uh, yeah, so I guess thanks to the jury members that uh, did this, the, you know, the, the hard work again this year. And thank you so much, Mark, for uh, talking to us about it. Well, thank you, Mike, for uh, having me. So if we um, pick up on uh, the points that Mark made there, I mean, you mentioned earlier the production sessions. They are, as I said, very, very popular. Um, I guess there's just, I don't know, is there a different set of rules? You guys seem to be able to show much more at a production session than you possibly can post on the net or I even see it, a, a you know, like a DVD uh, extra kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that the studios are pretty good about recognizing the PR opportunity here. I mean, these are sessions that are typically not recorded, so it's, it's a limited audience. Um, they're people who are super passionate about this type of work and are going to carry that PR message with them when they leave the room. And of course, there's a there's a bunch of other stuff at SIGGRAPH in addition to the papers and the courses. I mean, certainly it's places like SIGGRAPH Asia, the the trade show isn't that significant. Do you get down to the trade show floor at somewhere like Vancouver? Do you find that that's sort of relevant walking the floor down where all the exhibits are? Yeah, I try and sneak down there during a lunch session. Uh, I don't know necessarily about relevance per se, other than just to give me a general sense as to what's going on in the industry outside of visual effects very specifically. Uh, some years there's huge numbers of motion capture facilities, some years it's all about 3D printing. Uh, it's really interesting to see kind of what is the trend in the kind of industry in terms of selling things. Also, it's very interesting to find out what studios are and aren't on the studio floor that year. It potentially sometimes gives a little bit of insight into how everybody's doing. Yeah, I must admit it's terribly interesting to see who's busy at their recruiting booths as part of the uh, job fair as well. Definitely. Uh, it's always uh, kind of been very reassuring to me every time I pass by the NPC booth and see a long line of people. <laughs> well, NPC is uh, quite the uh, the outfit these days. I mean, I, I remember NPC in the early days just in London because I stole one of your NPC coffee mugs back in the – oh, I hate to say how long ago that was. Um, but it was before you joined. But, um, yeah, now it's uh, such a dominant force in uh, visual effects worldwide and so interrelated. Vancouver must be a terrific recruiting place. Hey, do you get to um, do any of the other fun stuff, like go to the uh, emerging tech or any of those sort of things? 
Yeah, emerging technologies is great. Uh, you occasionally see things there that are actually practical. I remember there being HDR displays and glasses-free stereo. Uh, but usually the more interesting stuff are the things that really you would think have absolutely no relation to computer graphics or any kind of real-world applicability whatsoever. Uh, Japan, in particular, I find is the absolute kings of producing this stuff. They always have crazy robots or kind of playing with different sensations and making you experience uh, worlds that are just not what you're currently in. Uh, I always enjoy going down and seeing what crazy new stuff they've got. Yeah, I find that sometimes you go down and there is, as you say, just completely, I remember going one year and there was a blowing, an internet blower. And basically you put it on your desk and someone blew into their internet thing at some part of the world and it blew on you in your desk, right? And I remember thinking, I just have no idea why you would do this or why you would bother to set that up. But I thought it was fun that someone had done it so you could blow at somebody around the world. Um, but by the same token, uh, I remember in LA they had a, um, like a, you know, those uh, uh, external exoskeleton suits as has been featured in many uh, feature films recently. And uh, this was a real-life suit, and it was being used for stroke victims and for allowing uh, the military to perform um, operations that required uh, heavy lifting and stuff. And they had a real suit there, and they're the real researchers that were doing it. Um, and it was just incredible to actually see something like that up front because, you know, I was becoming aware of it appearing in, in film. So I think... I think it's worth visiting emerging tech because for every weird blowing device or um, you know playing music by dancing up and down inside a bunch of balls, there's going to be a really serious uh, application of robotics or something else. That uh, one of the very few places you can actually see that. I mean, certainly I don't go to many places that that stuff's actually on show. No, absolutely. And even if some of the technologies, even if kind of the use case feels a little bit abstract or bizarre or just sheer entertainment. A lot of times the underlying technology actually does have very practical applications as well. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward, as I say, to seeing uh, your presentation uh, on uh, Sunday. And uh, thank you so much for taking time to uh, talk to us. And uh, I'm sure you and the team are going to be almost as busy as <laughs> – well, I, I'm probably even more busy than I am in running between uh, session and session. But, yeah, it should be a good year. Yeah, I think so as well. My calendar is fully packed and I'm excited about it. Well, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Well, that's it for this week. Um, I hope you guys will uh, keep up with our SIDGRAPH coverage. We're going to be doing some stuff in San Francisco and LA as well as uh, in uh, Vancouver, all feeding into, of course, FX Guy and FX PhD. Check out the new courses over at FX PhD. Um, the term is just underway, but you can still join in. You won't miss out on anything. Um, any previously, like for a couple of weeks, the courses have been running. Anything that's already out there, you'll be able to download immediately and uh, and easily pick up. If you are going to be in Vancouver, please, uh, as I say before, as said before, drop by and say hi to us on the Sunday night after the technical fast forward papers at 8.30. Uh, or just, as I said, uh, stop us if you see us walking around the convention. We love talking to you guys. Um, that's it uh, for me. On behalf of Jeff, John and myself, we hope to see you guys uh, in Vancouver. If not, please listen and watch all of our coverage over the coming two weeks from the show. Thanks so much. See ya. Please let us know if you have any suggestions for stories or future podcasts. You can reach us by clicking the Contact Us link at the top of the homepage. This podcast is copyright FX Guide LLC. Broadcast or redistribution is prohibited without the expressed written consent of FX Guide.